Welcome to the Duke Basketball Corner Podcast. I am Adam Comero, your host as always, joined today by Joe Gaudio. All right, so the season, it is upon us. We've almost reached the finish line, or in a different way of perspective, we've almost reached the starting line. So countdown to craziness is uh, just... I mean, by the time this podcast is released, I'm recording this Thursday night. I'm sorry. I'm recording this Wednesday night with uh, Joe. And uh, obviously, CTC is Friday. Soon enough, games will be starting with uh, exhibition games the next week. So almost upon us. Almost, almost, almost. Can you feel it in there, Joe? I can. I can. I'm actually counting down the moments myself. This is is the time of year that the weather starts breaking where I live, and I know that basketball is upon us and duke basketball is near so i'm i'm just excited to see uh what what the team will look like this year brings back memories of uh greg paul has thrown touchdowns near you for syracuse right is that all you think about that that's right greg and i throwing the ball in the backyard gotta love it (laughs) okay so obviously this came out um a little while ago like maybe a, a week ago with the acc media stuff but I want to uh, give some time to first finish up the off-season pod, which was released. Whoever hasn't uh, heard our last off-season pod, where we deep dove uh, rotations, point guards, front court players, had a heated debate about 2012, and then some kind of uh, standout stats during the Kempom era. Check that out. And if anyone has any interest in co-hosting at some time, during the year, not a guest, as a co-host, email DukeBasketballCorner at Gmail. But today, we are going to go over some of our own thoughts of the ACC, the teams. If we have some time, we might uh, give some initial hopes, I guess you could say, of uh, Duke players for Countdown to Craziness. But the most the priority right now is to kind of go over thoughts on at least most of the teams, at least the teams that are going to be most competitive in the ACC as well as kind of compare our thoughts on players to what was predicted in uh, the ACC by the media. So first of all, let's just uh, quickly go down the ACC media's preseason order of finish. Duke was number one, 51 first place votes. Carolina two, 19 first place votes. Louisville three with 29, Virginia four with 12. And those are all the first place votes. From there, you got Florida State, NC State, Notre Dame, Syracuse, Miami, Pitt, Clemson, Georgia Tech, Boston College, Virginia Tech, and Wake Forest rounds it up. So is there anything that sticks out to you, Joe, before we uh, get to Duke specifically, is there anything that sticks out about any of the uh, the placements of the teams? No, I... I see how how much Notre Dame has jumped up in the standings, but I, I think I would have, if it was me, I think the, I feel like Virginia's a little high. I know they're coming off a championship, but they lost pretty much everything. So I would actually, I think I would have Florida State above them, but I mean, for the most part, the bottom half's the bottom half. So the top half is negotiable. I mean, I guess you could, you could flip-flop Louisville and North Carolina, I wouldn't argue. You could probably even flip-flop North Carolina, Duke, Louisville, and I wouldn't argue. I think it's I think it's pretty open at the top. Yeah, I mean, it's always interesting to me because I think college basketball, especially with uh, the one-and-dones and lack of, uh, I guess you could say, consistency from year to year, it really is the coaches take center stage. 
And I think once Tony Bennett won the championship, until Virginia really proves themselves consistently not able to finish, he's going to get the benefit of the doubt more often than not. So I personally don't think uh, four is overly high, especially once you uh, start getting deeper into the teams below. But I can see why you'd say that. But I, th I think four is pretty reasonable to place Virginia. Uh, I would, I would, I think just in terms of that consistency and you kind of expect certain things, I think really that's the only reason Louisville wasn't ranked number one to me because anyone who really looks into the teams and the players in terms of proven talent and proven ability in college, uh, it's tough to argue against Louisville. But, I mean, just pure, t pure talent in terms of potential – that's when Duke in North Carolina, you could say, they have, uh, I guess you could argue, a higher ceiling if you're going to place them above Louisville. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, once you start getting down further, I think it's really interesting because this season, more than, I mean, last year, so experienced, there's so much talent everywhere, and now this season, it's just... Yeah, it could be anything. I, I mean, in terms of just the the players who are going to be the faces of the league, it's hard to find them once you get – I mean, just looking past, like, the top three players, I think in whatever order you want, everyone would agree, it's uh, Jordan Noir, Cole Anthony, and Trey Jones. Once you get past that, it's hard to find guys that are really known nationally. So, I mean, it's really interesting and just ex experienced teams – it, it, it's tough. So uh, this isn't the this isn't the type of ACC it's been in the past years, but it makes it more interesting in a way. You never know what's going to happen. So uh, looking at uh, I guess you had the preseason All ACC teams. First team: Jordan Nwara, Trey Jones, Cole Anthony, John Mooney, John Mooney, and uh, Mamadi Diakite. Second team: Markel Johnson, Vernon Carey, Chris Likes, Garrison Brooks, and Trent Forrest. Any initial thoughts there? Um, I, first of all, Trent Forrest is, is definitely, he's just one of those players that, that really, really improved last year. So to even see him on the second team here is, is, um, it's, it's good to see a player like that, that isn't really great at anything, but he's good at pretty much everything. And he's such, he's kind of like the, the pulse of that Florida state team. So I really like the way he oh my actually God, For a second, played. I thought you said the polis of that Florida State team. No. no I almost listen, had a heart attack. My, dude, no, let it my go. Polis, <laughs> my polis love is, is definitely <laughs> yes. out there, but it's – it's you know, I, I, I am able to separate it at times. Okay, so. um, but the, I think the first team is, is spot on. Um, John Mooney was a double-double, automatic double-double last year. I think he'll, he'll continue that. I was a little surprised about the Akite, to be honest. Why so? I mean, he's a good player, but he. I feel like the guy, some. There's a couple guys on that that second team that have a little more um, have a little more upside than he does. I think Kerry could. Um, I think Garrison Brooks could. I think uh, Markel Johnson. I mean, I likes. I just. I don't know. I. I was a little surprised at Diakite. I thought Diakite was more of a supplemental player to to those guys than actual a potential first-team guy, so. Okay, well, then let me just ask, are you basing that a lot on offense? Yes and no, I guess, would be the answer. I mean, 
he he's semi limited offensively, I would assume. Um, he's a great defender. He's a great rebounder. He gives great energy. So I guess I mean, I mean, he's on there. I I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't on there. I mean, I would definitely would be. I I, I think he probably will win. I think it'll be between him or Trey Jones for Defense Player of the Year in ACC. So. I, I could see that why I could see why and he's also going to have to play a much bigger role with those three being gone. So, yeah, no, I was just asking. Well, I wasn't necessarily arguing against it because I mean I just think he is such an elite defender at this point. Yes. I mean, Virginia really doesn't have a center. They have two guys on the block, so it allows him to kind of uh, wander in that pack line and just I mean what he does impacting the defense is huge, and I think he'll absolutely. Uh, Need to do, need to do it because uh, Jay Huff love his offense ability. I I just I still wonder how his defense will be. We'll get to that more with Virginia, but uh, Diakite may have to protect Jay Huff a little bit, and I think he has he's more than able to. I mean, with me, it's it's you know we'll we'll get more to. I'll, I'll give my um, kind of choices at the end because what I did today is just crammed. I went through every team, and as much as I watched last year, still the offseason passes, and I forgot even who's on some of these teams. So it was, it was kind of a reintroduction to everything. So as I'm talking about it, after that, uh, I'll go back and choose mine. But uh, you mentioned one guy, which I agree with uh, how you talked him up, but I would do it even more and for different reasons. All right, so um, the, uh, let's, let's start out. I also want to say that... Uh, I think if you're going to highlight anything about the ACC this year in terms of strength, it would be the point guards because the mass, mass majority of the teams do have point guards, which at least in name recognition, you would know. I mean, besides the obvious of Trey Jones and Cole Anthony and Trent Forrest, who you mentioned, I mean, Johnson, my guy, my guy, my DMV guy, he is electric. If he can even develop a somewhat of an outside shot, watch out, watch out. Then Chris Likes, another DMV guy. I mean, he is another one, just a little ball of fire there. Kihai Clark. I mean, some of these guys are they are kind of like they're mini, but they're, but they're fun. Kihai Clark's another small point guard, but as exciting. Uh, we got Brandon Childress. You got Derek Thornton. Welcome back. Uh, Wabise uh, Betty, if that's how you pronounce it. Another uh, smallish uh, type Tack, of point yeah. guard. Uh, Jose Alvarado, I do love him. He's uh, one of the bright spots for Georgia Tech. Jalen Carey, we'll see. I think a lot of people knew the name, but before last season, he was a somewhat highly regarded recruit. He struggled at times and wasn't able to keep the spot. But then uh, Prentice Hub, he was forced into action uh, last year a little earlier than some might have thought, but he he played he played pretty well at times, and I think that experience will help with Notre Dame. And uh, the ones, the teams I didn't mention with point guards, I mean, Clemson, I'll be perfectly honest, they're one of the teams I didn't get to. I can't really, I won't be able to say much about them uh, this season. And then uh, I think Louisville, their season depends on what they get, whether it be um, from uh, Fresh Kimball or a guy that we probably won't be hearing about for a couple months, but you will, David Johnson. Um, so the point guard, I think that is kind of the specialty of the ACC, the highlight of the ACC this year. Um, all right, so uh, if it's in no specific order, you would think most would want to hear about the uh, elite teams first, correct? Yeah, I mean, I think either way, either way, we'll we'll get 
we'll get to who everybody probably wants to hear about anyway. So I'm 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 fine with whatever whatever way you think will go smoother for us. Okay, and uh, yeah, let's just start at the top. And uh, one more thing, some not me, but a lot of people they use the NCAA tournament as a referendum. And it's just interesting. Ten out of the last nineteen years, a team from the ACC has won or been the runner-up, eight titles and two runner-ups, plus another two champs in Louisville and Syracuse, if you want to count prior. Though if you're going to do that, you'd probably also need to subtract Maryland's 2002 championship if you're going to do that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the ACC, they have really, I mean, the, at least the top of the ACC, they've done pretty well. And uh, how many teams did they have in last year? Last year, let's see, they had one, two, three. It was three, nine, I thought. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven... Did they only have seven? Wait, they had Virginia, North Carolina, Duke, Florida State, Virginia Tech, Louisville, Syracuse, um, is seven, and uh, yeah, that's it, seven. Oh, okay. Yeah, because uh, right. Clemson missed, right? Yeah, Clemson missed, and NC State missed. They were right on the brink. Right. Okay, so seven teams. Uh, looking re- looking down real quick, you think uh, if I said over under six point five, where would you go this year? For tournament teams this year, in um, I would probably. Given, I mean, Syracuse gets in every year regardless of where they are. So, I mean, that's it, it's a running tab with all my friends because obviously I live by that area and it's always. I mean, while you're watching, they're always sweating out the selection Sunday. I'm like, you guys are in, just go enjoy it. You'll play the 12 playing game or whatever it is, and you'll be good to go. So, I would think. The teams I think will get in, I think Duke will be in, North Carolina, Louisville, Virginia, Florida State, NC State, and and I think either Notre Dame or Syracuse. So I will say over, and I'm going with seven teams again this year. I'd probably agree with that. I'd probably go seven, but it, I, it wouldn't shock me to see six. Uh, I'm sorry, six. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it just comes down to how strong NC State, Notre Dame, and Syracuse are. You know, because I think the other five are, are pretty – Pretty much locks. Hashtag Grumpy Jim Beheim. All right, so uh, <laughs> let's go uh, first. UNC. UNC last year. They uh, not not surprised. I mean, there's three guarantees of all Roy coached UNC teams. Number one, play fast. Number two, attack the offensive glass. If you're gonna say, what would you think the third one would be? The thing that most defines a Roy team. Hmm. You said play fast. Attack the offensive glass and one other. That's a good question. Those, those are the two I would definitely have came up with because mine was going to play just play fast. So it's it's an illness. It's a disease. What they what they have is 3D phobia. It's the fear of guarding threes. Every single freaking year, teams just launch threes against them, and it's always oh UNC they're 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 so bad at guarding threes, and why why is that happening? And then you look back the year before, same thing. The year before, same thing. They weren't horrible. Last year, and then, and then Auburn made like 7,000 threes against them in the tournament and knocked them out. I mean, it was it was a three-point uh, city uh, against Auburn. And, uh, I mean, yeah, that's just what happens. When UNC loses nine times out of ten, it's because the other team hit 70 million threes. So, yeah, yeah, that Auburn game was unreal. Yep, they three, could not miss. Phobia. And uh, last season, UNC was actually much better than normal at uh, their three-point shooting. They're actually a pretty good three-point shooting team. But the surprising stat I actually saw when I was looking up, it's actually kind of doing some research on Alex O'Connell, um, his shooting uh, versus man compared to zone. And Kobe White 
was the best three-point shooter in the country against zone um, for those who attempted over a certain amount. Um, I can get the stat a little later, but uh, I mean, that would actually shock me. And even those who attempted even more than like 30, he was like number three. He was number one with over like 70. But Kobe White, he was a, he was a zone buster. So that was interesting. So let's start out. I don't watch guys too much in uh, high school and rarely if ever if they're not going to Duke. Cole Anthony is insane. Like, <laughs> I, I think if you're going to say who's the best college player proven, it's tough to say Jordan Noir is not, at least in the ACC I'm talking about. But in terms of the most talented and the, one, and the guy with the most potential, it's tough to say anyone. But Cole Anthony, he is – he, he's going to be – he's going to put on a show this year. I mean, my, the most impressive thing I see in his game is the change of speed. It is just insane how mature he is on that level. So he's going to be their point guard. I don't think anyone would doubt that. Christian Keeling, he's a 6'3 grad transfer. He'll shoot from anywhere at any any time. He is a microwave. Leaky Black, he is, uh, you could say, the small forward, more of a wing-type positionless. He's going to be a Theo Pinson type, and when he got injured last year, they lost uh, one of their playmakers, one of their best defenders. So Leaky Black, it's oh, you can almost argue it might you could consider it his uh, sort of a freshman season in a way. He's going to have a big impact. You got Armando uh, Backcott. I might be pronouncing that wrong in terms of his last name, but he he lost a lot of weight, got in great shape from a couple years ago. I, I talked to. Uh, one person in the media who had watched him at Peach Jam, and he referred to Backcott as a chunky boy, quote-unquote chunky boy. So uh, so Armando Backcott is no longer a chunky boy. Garrison Brooks, he is probably my favorite glue guy in the ACC this year. 6'9", junior, he is the master screen setter. He will do whatever it takes. He is just a flat-out winner, and from all reports, He's doing a lot to improve his offensive game, so it'll be nice to see him get a little shine on offense. Brandon Robinson, 6'4", senior. He's a 3-and-D type of guy. He's a better defender than Keeling, can shoot well from outside, and he could kind of be Roy's savior when Keeling likely makes Roy's head explode at various times throughout the season. Because like I said, Keeling will just shoot anytime from anywhere. And then they also got Anthony Harris, 6'3", combo guard. Uh, he was number 70 RSCI recruit. Sterling Manley, I do like his talent inside, um, but he has been very injury prone. So bottom line, he just it would just be nice to see him uh, get on the court at this point. Uh, Justin Pierce, grad transfer from William & Mary, don't know much about him. So uh, any thoughts on UNC? Yeah, I think they got a couple late-minute recruits there when Anthony Harris backed out of his commitment. Um I was kind of hoping at one point he was he had Duke on his list of teams he was interested in, but not very high. So Duke had recruited him previously, but uh, you know with with Cole Anthony, I mean that team that team's going to score. <laughs> I mean, and Carolina teams always do score. So I think what's going to happen with Carolina is going to come down to their big staying healthy. A lot, you know, like you mentioned. Uh, Blackhead injuries last year. Garrison Brooks is obviously the most important big man they have, but uh, Sterling Manley has struggled to stay on the court too. But I think they're going to have plenty of shooting and they're going to have plenty of uh, speed. So I think it's going to be pretty much your normal, typical every year North Carolina type of offense. So, yeah, and I talked uh, on the uh, on the previous that um, 
the off-season pod about Duke combos in the backcourt and how they help each mm-hmm. other. There's usually a scoring and a, a kind of deferring type of point guard. And I think Leaky Black, his ability to play that Theo Pinson role, because Theo, he was, he was a great playmaker for UNC. He almost acted as that initiator in half court a lot. And I think that could help Cole Anthony out because I'm not sure who's going to create, be able to create off the dribble for UNC. They were a great passing team last year. So I think Leaky Black, his ability to let Cole Anthony play um, off the ball. Off the ball. Yeah, yeah. Will, will help a lot. All right. Louisville, the team I I personally would have as number one without thinking twice. I mean, just – I would say it's not as much prediction as it is just it's tough to argue with in terms – unless you just want to go potential based on, uh, I guess, high school rankings. All right, so Louisville, they have a solid first year under Chris Mack, but kind of melted down in the second half, both in a lot of games and during the second half of the year. But even so, they lost a bunch of guys from the year before, and I thought he did – a fantastic job. He uses a lot of pack lines similar to Virginia. But, uh, I mean, similar, similar to the year before even, when DeAndre Hunter banked in a three, his time expired. Um, that was when uh, – that was before Chris Mack was coaching. I mean, they just uh, – late in games, they had a rough go of it. And they lost eight of their last 11, sputtered to the finish, and ironically, their uh, NCAA tournament loss was to another Patino, uh, to Minnesota. So, um yeah, I mean, even Duke with their uh, miraculous comeback in the second half versus Louisville, I mean, it's almost like Louisville had never seen a zone press. They almost just handed the ball to a Duke half the time. And you, you can credit Duke and at the same time say, I, I really hesitate to use the word choke much. Louisville totally choked. Um, all right, the team X factor there, uh, definitely, definitely point guard. Fresh Kimball, uh, six-foot grad transfer from St. Joseph's. We'll see how he goes. He can score. We'll see how he is as a playmaker. Uh, Samuel Williamson, 6'7", uh, number 20 RSCI. I have heard some J- Jason Tatum comps. Take that with oh, a grain boy. of salt, as uh, I do with all kinds of stuff where you're comparing to a uh, quite, that's quite a bunch of pressure on him. But I can, I can see in terms of the length, he has a great mid-range shot and – he can be a, a big mismatch problem. Dwayne Sutton at uh, the small forward, redshirt senior, he kind of may be the face of college glue guys this season. I already said, I mean, my, my guy is uh, Garrison Brooks, but if Garrison Brooks improves his offensive game, he might no longer even be considered a glue guy. So uh, Dwayne Sutton, it's, it's tough to kind of look at the stats and see everything. It's kind of like Isaiah Wilkins for Virginia a, a couple years ago where his stats did nothing really to stand out but then that's when a stat like box plus minus you can use that and just see how he affects everything like the team is just better when he's on so Dwayne Sutton might be able to do that you got Jordan Noir who uh, I mean even coming into last year you could see the talent and how he was so much better than uh, I don't even know what he was ranked but I know it wasn't like he came in as a highly highly touted recruit and he was just I mean he is kind of he looks like a pro in the college game and really fantastic player. Then uh, Malik Williams, their centers kind of split between Malik Williams, 6'11", long range. He can stretch the offense. I think 
he he ha- he has a ton of athleticism. He lacks physicality at times. If he could be more physical, in my opinion, I think then he could be one of the best defenders in the country. But uh, that's when kind of you, you wonder about that. You wonder if it's mentality. And that's why it's interesting to kind of pair him off with Stephen Enoch. Stephen Enoch is who I consider the X factor in terms of player. I said the team X factor was point guard, but the player is Stephen Enoch. That guy, I mean, he came in highly touted uh, out of high school to UConn. It didn't quite work out there, but he finally started to show all that potential last season. If he's in shape and motivated, look out. I mean, that could turn Louisville into an ACC contender, into an NCAA tournament possible favorite. Uh, you got uh, Darius, talking about point guard possibilities, Darius Perry, he is a defensive stopper, struggles on offense. So, I mean, if it really isn't working out with Kimball, you might just see a combo with uh, Perry helping out. Um, then you got uh, down low, you got Aiden Iglehorn, if that's how you pronounce it. Probably not. 6'10 freshman, number 49 RSCI. He's a beast. He's athletic. He's physical. Pretty raw. And then David Johnson, as I, as I mentioned before, he is definitely someone to keep an eye on. He's recovering from, sol- from shoulder surgery. I think he's expected back around December. He's definitely talented enough, to, talented enough to be their starting point guard if healthy. And then everyone's favorite, Ryan McMahon, a six, uh, six foot tall, redshirt senior, nicknamed King Grit, which is my nickname. And I, I, pl- I believe, so- according to sources, he's Tom Brady's favorite slot receiver. So, uh, you have any opinions about Louisville? I, I do think Louisville is going to be good this year. I do think they have, and you mentioned Enoch. Enoch is is extremely skilled. I remember he hit, he came out, again, when they played Duke, he hit a couple of huge threes that kind of separated their lead, and you started feeling the game getting away from Duke a little bit there. But you know, he has the ability to, to dominate inside and out. So, and we'll see if he's able to work alongside of Nora and, um, you know, fresh, fresh is a, is a good player. I don't know if he's a traditional point guard. So, I mean, I, I think, I definitely think they're talented, but I just, I think, I think Carolina is the best team in this conference. I really do. I think talent wise, I think they have more talent than Louisville does, but I do think Louisville has maybe, a little more ability on both ends of the court. So they could be one of those traditional type of Louisville teams in the past that have actually have actually um, been able to dominate on both sides of the ball. Yeah, and since Louisville joined, it's interesting because they won the championship in 2013. Mm-hmm. Uh, Duke, obviously, among the teams they beat. Since they actually joined the ACC the next year, I think they've only finished in the top four like one time. So just in terms of preseason voting... I mean that could that could be something that affects it. I know a lot of the media right. are in North are in North Carolina. So if you haven't proven it yet, so it's kind of that fan mentality. Until you do it, we don't believe you can. And I don't really ascribe to that, but hey, it, it is what it is. All right, right, so we're going to Virginia next. Uh, had Virginia doing the NCAA tournament? I forget. I think they I think they went pretty deep. I'm deep. not sure. Uh, I can't remember. They went deep into it. I, I thought they were pretty good last year, though. All right, so uh, their team X factor, I would say, is uh, point guard and outside shooting because uh, Kihai Clark, really exciting. I, the defense, you need to really, you need to help on him. And they had uh, they had some big guys who were able to do that last year. I mean, like 
Ty Jerome, he he was great at, at helping over, but I think uh, we'll see how it's affected on defense if bigger point guards can take advantage of him. But, uh, I mean, they might actually be better on defense because Casey Morsell, Virginia had to hide um, – they had to hide Kyle Guy last year on defense, and Casey Morzell, I would say, is an improved defender over Kyle Guy. We'll, we'll see how he is on offense, but I think he has a bunch of potential. Number 58 RSCI, Braxton Key, one of my favorite glue guys uh, last season. He might actually take point guard duties at times. He has the ability to just provide value anywhere as long as as well as his strength on defense. We talked a little bit already about uh, Mamadi Diakite is an elite 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 defender i mean those uh those weak side blocks helps that block i mean he's just he's an animal and uh yeah so we'll see if he can improve the offense obviously hit that amazing shot to uh to to uh, send uh, the game into overtime against purdue in the ncaa tournament we'll see if he can consistently be able to extend range and show some versatility on offense then even last year when he really wasn't doing much i remember uh, I was I was doing a podcast and I was talking about it was right before Duke was scheduled to play Virginia. I think it was the rematch. I was talking about how I, I thought Jay Huff could be a breakout guy. Jay Huff to me, he has everything you would want in um, a big man who can really stretch the floor. I mean, offense, he he could be the breakout guy in the ACC. We'll see how he is on defense. Yeah, it was when I had Jordan Sperber on. We were previewing the uh, Duke-Virginia rematch, and I was just nonstop about Jay Huff. And Jay Huff really didn't even do anything in that game. I think he drove in for a dunk one time, but the potential is there. What he can do is there. All right, so after that, you got uh, the sixth man, I would say, Tomas Walden Tensei, if that's how you pronounce it. He's a Juco transfer, can really shoot. Um, and then two two bigs. You got uh, Caden Shedrick, number 65 RSCI, 6'11", freshman center. From what I've seen, bigs usually take a little bit to develop in the UVA system. So I think a more ready option, obviously it depends. I don't know the, what's going on with the team, but Francisco Cafaro, 7'2", 230. He's, he uh, sat on the bench last year uh, red-shirting. So I think a year on the bench could do wonders, show a ton of potential he showed a ton of potential at the under-18 FIBA Americas, so I think he might be able to help out um, on the inside. And that's pretty much, at least, I don't know if they really have much else that they could use. So I think the rotation might be a bit thin, but in terms of uh, who they have ready to go, I mean, the talent is there. I just think it works a little differently this year. And it's just going to be where are the points coming from consistently because their defense will be guaranteed elite. Yep, and, and any any Bennett Rand team is gonna definitely be above the the curve on defense. I mean, last year they they were Ken Palm, they were number one, but their their adjusted ranks obviously they finished the season number one, but just defensively they're just a grinded out type of team, and they have those type of players that are able to do so again, and they seem to be long again this year and. They're they're gonna definitely miss the big shot ability of of Jerome of Kyle Guy and obviously DeAndre Hunter is is a stud. So I mean they did lose a lot and they've added a couple pieces, but I do think I do think you will see Virginia take a step back this year. 
Yeah, I mean, it's especially with the backcourt, they always had so much experience. Right. I mean, yeah, with with uh, with, with Kyle Guy, with uh, with uh, with Ty Jerome, and obviously Hunter. Yes. Yeah, so. yeah, I mean, even back when they had Parenthes and they had Brogdon, and they've always had very good upperclassmen at guard. So. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of size um, in the in the backcourt. Obviously, that is uh, not the case unless Braxton Key starts uh, playing more in the backcourt. All right, NC State, Kevin Keats. Last year, with a crap non-conference schedule, you could argue that whatever analytics people use to try to figure out if they deserve to be in, they technically should have, but they they were they were uh, the decision was made for them not to be um, in the NCAA tournament. And the reasoning seemed pretty obvious with their non-conference schedule. I haven't seen what it is this year. Hopefully, they scheduled better. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's two more ACC games, so they get two more chances for hopefully big wins. Even though the ACC is a little more down this year, I guess it's what two teams do they play twice uh, compared to just once? All right, so the X factor with them, the front court, without much of a front court really beyond uh, Funderburk. It's going to be, I mean, if anyone who remembers, um, what was I think it was uh, 2016. Is that when uh, Duke played UNC Wilmington and uh, it's a high-scoring game? Was that was that? It? Uh, yeah, I think in the second round. Yeah, they played. It was when they had that the Kaycock kid and stuff there. They were good. They had a good team that year. Yeah. We played them in the first round of the tournament, right? Or was that round the second two, round? No, no, they beat Baylor, two. right? No, no, that it was, was round nailed. two for us. It was round two, like they call round two. Round one is round two for us, essentially. So we ended up playing them in the first round. That actually, Marshall Plumley had a good game that game. What a Kevin Keats team does with a team like this is just run and gun. They just come at you in waves, and that's why it's so interesting. We were talking about Duke's rotation and how it can be limited at times. This, I mean, I'm looking down, and it's remarkable that. They have so many guys, and while there are some I recognize, I mean, a lot of them, it's just going to be they bring in one guy after another, one guy after another, and they're just going to keep coming at you. So, I mean, all they lost really is Torin Dorn and Wyatt Walker. I mean, I guess you could also say they could have had Jalen LeCue, a highly regarded point guard who chose to go pro. But uh, so compared to the eight, most ACC teams who lost a ton, it's not as bad. I think they have six out of their eight uh, top scores. But, uh, I mean, Torn Dorn and uh, White Walker, they're still big contributors. But I think this gives – Markel Johnson has a chance to really go next level. I mean, when I said you could say Trent Forrest, uh, you could argue he could be first team. So could Markel Johnson. I mean, there's a lot of talented point guards here. So he could really take control of the team, and he improved his outside shot last year. You got Braxton Beverly. He has shown he can shoot. Last year he struggled too often, I think, especially in key times. Uh, and then you got uh, DJ Funderburk. Did was he the sixth man of the year in the ACC? I think he was, right? I'm not. I'm not con- uh, completely sure if he was. Um, I know that he had he had a nice breakout season. He averaged uh, nine and four a game. So yeah, that, that's what he was averaging off the bench for them. So I think he was, but don't quote me on that. All right, uh, and then yeah, and then after that you got Devin Daniels, CJ Bryce. Got uh, Pat Andrew, who's a stretch four, he can hit threes. Blake Harris, a three-point specialist. You go J- Jericho uh, Helms, if, if that's how I'm pronouncing that. I mean, some guy, a guy that can eat space, I guess. If you're looking for some sort of front court, you got Danny Dixon. He's a grad transfer from uh, 
I'm not even sure what called UMKC. I'm not even sure what that stands for. Anyway, um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, there, at least it's someone, but, I mean, there's a lot of questions about the front court, but if they're just running and gunning, if, you don't ha- if you're not able to slow them down and if you're not able to have a, a big who can really take advantage of their front court, they also have Manny Bates, 6'11", six, six, redshirt freshman. Um, I think they could be exposed down low, especially if Thunderbird gets in foul trouble. But they're going to be... I mean, in terms of uh, continuity from one year to the next, they have more than most ACC teams. The ACC is really lacking continuity from last year. You can't really say that in the same way about NC State. So they're going to be a fun team to watch. Yeah. And I think you mentioned you were wondering what teams they actually played within ACC twice. So they played North Carolina, Wake Forest, Clemson, Duke, Georgia Tech, and Miami. So really only two of the stronger teams they play twice with Duke and Carolina. And then their home, their home alone games, like alone, just, just home or Florida state, Louisville, Notre Dame and Pitt. So they have a chance to, you know, they have a chance, they have a pretty favorable schedule to be honest, because their away games are Boston college, Syracuse and the UVA is tough, but then a down Virginia tech team. So they have a chance to, you know, they got a pretty favorable break there. They just have to go out and win the games they're supposed to win. That's the problem. Okay, I'm looking at see at least some of their uh, non-conference games. I mean, they're playing Auburn and Memphis and Wisconsin this year. So at least that's, oh, yeah. uh, that's some competitive stuff. And I think uh, UNCG sure. with uh, Wes Miller. Um, so it seems at least at first glance stronger than last year, which is definitely a good thing for them. All right, next we got uh, FSU. This is a team that I think Scares I'm going to be me. higher on them than most consistently. They, they, I mean, the whole team is just full of guys that I'm a lot higher on than most. I mean, last year, they were just the most unknown. They could literally beat anyone and lose to anyone. I mean, <laughs> the, same, the same game. Yeah, I mean, they would just dominate a team in the first half and just lay an egg in the second half. But I was really excited to see... To, for uh, hopefully them to play Gonzaga in the Sweet 16. But unfortunately, they weren't able to play them with their whole team because it was a really sad story. I mean, as a senior, heading into the NCAA tournament, Phil Kofer, <sighs> he lost his father, and he didn't participate for under very understandably reasons, understandable reasons. And it was just, it was really, it was really sad. There, I mean, really good, good dude. Had a great career for Florida State. It would have been nice to see him go out at least playing in the NCAA tournament. But yeah, I mean, that's really all I can say about that. Um, they lost five of their top eight scores. All right, Trent Forrest. He had he actually. I didn't realize this till I did an off-season pod with uh, Lauren Brownlow, who told me that he had turf toe, I, and that developed. I looked it up after I think it was like the sixth game. And he's had some injury issues in the past, but turf toe, that's brutal because, I mean, y- y- you can play through it, but it's just annoying and you can't push off. And other people, they can't see it. And generally, most fans, if they can't see you hurt, then they're just like, oh, play through it. And especially like a toe thing. And it's just prevented him from doing a lot of what he could do to reach his potential. So you said it was great to see him improve. I actually thought he could have been a lot better than he was last year. And I think now, if he stays healthy, watch out. Definitely watch out. All right, so I love him at the point guard. You got MJ Walker. And uh, 
well, it's possible. We'll wait and see. Cassius Stanley could make an argument. Uh, MJ Walker is, is one of, if not the best athlete in the ACC. But it hasn't produced basketball results. So he is uh, he's someone who everyone's just watching and waiting on because, I mean, it's just his potential. His is just saliv- It makes you salivate, but hasn't reached it. Very inconsistent. Um, their X factor is Patrick Williams. Long, rangy, can do everything. I mean, he is a scary dude in terms of what his potential could be. Uh, then you got uh, Raekwon uh, Turk Gray, 6'8 redshirt sophomore. Last year, I called him Mini Zion. He, he didn't have too much of a role, but he started to get more PT last year at the end. I would say in all honesty, I mean, nobody is should ever be compared to Zion. I would say he's more in line with Draymond Green, actually. He can do That's everything. That's what I was going to say. I yeah, agree he, completely. Mm-hmm. He's a great creator off the dribble for teammates. Uh, he can shoot from outside. He can make plays down low. He came to Florida State at 300 pounds. He is now 260 from when he arrived. I mean, this is a guy who just, he's – he might not look like what you would like what most would generally consider a star, but man, his impact, you can see it every time he's on the court. And now he'll get more playing time. Uh, their center is Dominic. I don't even know how to begin with this. Uh, Olej Niz, He's a seven, seven foot grad transfer from old miss. This is, this is where I wonder um, how they're going to be on the inside. Cause there's nothing proven on the inside there so we'll see how that works then the sixth man a guy that by the end of the season this could be the most improved player in the ACC right here Devin Vassell has everything you could want in terms of ability love him pure three-point stroke athletic can lock down on D scary a lot of length too yes uh, everything. Yeah. I mean, Devin Vassell, watch out for this dude. I am incredibly high on him. So, uh, if not, I mean, if nothing else this season could end up the sixth man of the year, actually, wait, Kevin Jelly was the sixth man of the year last year. Uh, yeah, I think that was obvious. And Thunderbird finished second way behind. Which there's absolutely no reason that Kevin Jelly should have even come off the bench, but I agree. He- yeah, I guess it was kind of like uh, Corey McGetty coming off the bench. It was a comfort thing for him, I guess. They, they they did a thing on him. They were mentioning that he actually prefers, like he asked to come off the bench because he likes to, kind of like Ginobili, when Ginobili did. Like they just wanted to kind of feel out the game, feel out the situation, and then go in and pretty much yeah, attack. I remember, right, his foul rate was also pretty horrific. So at least it kind of prevented him from picking up early fouls. But, um, yeah, besides that, they got uh, Nathaniel Jack, uh, 6'5", junior Juco transfer, three-point bomber. They got uh, their highest highest recruit besides Patrick Williams was uh, Balsa Kopravica. He is 7'1 freshman. I mean, Florida State, they always have these huge guys. And then, so, of course, I mean, you have a 7'1 freshman, you got to have someone even bigger. So they have Naheem McLeod, a 7'4 freshman. How does Florida State always get these guys like this? Like, I don't know, but they're all terrifying usually too because they had terrifying. <laughs> they had um, uh, was it Michael Oja? I mean, he just was he terrified me. Like, and he Chris seemed like Kamaji nice, is like eight foot tall. <laughs> he seemed like the nicest guy in the world too, but he just like he was always smiling, but he just his hands just terrified me. And his, I just I don't know. They get these large and they're skilled. 
that's the thing. They end up coming. Some of them come and they're actually skilled. And that's yeah, the problem. I, I mean, from what I've read, I, this is just, I mean, again, take this, some of this stuff where I haven't seen the guys with a grain of salt. I mean, when I talk about Devin Vassell, Vassell I mean, I, that's, I, I'm saying from what I've seen. But, I mean, Balsa, Kapravika, Nahim McLeod, I mean, guys over seven feet. I mean, from what I've read, they're raw. They're really raw. And uh, then I think the uh, the biggest takeaway of the season for the ACC, there was no doubt about it. The number one takeaway is the fact that Florida State has two players. One is named, okay, also the one is spelled R-A-I-Q-U-A-N, and the other is R-A-Y-Q-U-A-N. They have two Raekwans spelled differently, and I think that's fascinating. So they, they have Raekwon Gray, who I talked about, and they have Raekwon Evans. He is a junior uh, Juco transfer. He will back up uh, Trent Forrest at the point. So, have fun, Jaminski, with those two on the court for ACC games every day. <laughs> Doing it. <laughs> All right, so uh, anything else to add about FSU, or are we moving on? No, I think we can move on. I think it's pretty solidified that with Leonard Hamilton there, they're going to be gritty, they're going to be tough, and they'll, they'll be up there. So Absolutely. Leonard Hamilton uh, – he he and Jim Beheim, the grouches of the ACC, and I and I say that with love. I think both. I've seen good, him smile a couple times. A couple times in their life, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, they both seem like great. It's just they're so grumpy all the time. And uh, but hey, everyone, everyone, their players couldn't love them more. And you, I mean, you just have to take it in terms of like, oh, that's just how they are with the media. But I mean, I, obviously, like Greg Popovich, and they're different. Belichick outside. The Belichicks. Yeah. I can't imagine Bill Belichick ever smiling. I think he's different. But anyway. All right, so so Notre Dame with Mike Bray. I mean, a lot of issues last year with uh, inexperience and injuries. I mean, when they lost uh, Rex Fluger, um, and, I mean, he was the heart of the team, and then yeah. Juwan Durham for most of the season. I mean, they didn't even have the ability to play man, so he had to go zone, and they just couldn't even – they couldn't grab a rebound on either end. So, I mean, he – I mean, Coach K, you talk about him hating the play zone. Mike Bray learned under K, and he, he he really didn't like it. But a lot of guys who might not have gotten playing time did. So they had a pretty rough season. But now with some experience and with Rex Fluger getting the NCAA actually not being the, the way the NCAA usually is, they actually gave Rex Fluger another year. Really nice as a Fluger fan. All right, so... Temple Gibbs, he was a guy I was super wrong about at the at uh, before last year started. I thought he was going to break out and just have a huge season scoring wise. He struggled. He really struggled, and I think it started out because he was the point guard and he had a tough time kind of mixing it up between looking for his own shot and looking to make plays for others, especially without Fluger. So then Prentice Hub came in and. Uh, got some really valuable experience. So they kind of act as a dual point guard at times, but I think it'll be more in Prentice Hub's hands. And I think uh, Temple Gibbs will get – I think he'll get back on track because he's a much better shooter than he showed last year. They have kind of – they played three wings. Fluger's going to be uh, another wing, heart of the team, amazing defensive player. He will he will lift up that team. You got John Mooney, double-double machine. He really took advantage of his opportunity – um, last year made a huge jump. I think he was the most improved player in the ACC, and uh, I think he's going to show the consistency this year. Then Juwan Durham, defensive specialist, really doesn't do anything on offense, but he is a block machine on defense, really holds down the fort down low. 
Nate Lazuski, 6'10". I have absolutely no idea how it's possible to be 6'10 and weigh a total of like 50 pounds. But uh, I would say him and Merrick Dolezal for Syracuse need to like chill out together and just inhale protein shakes. I don't know. I mean, if he gets strong, if he got stronger in the offseason and can really not stink on the defensive end, watch out. Because I think he has great ability on the offensive end and can stretch the D. Uh, Dane Goodwin, 6'6". He has a reputation of a lethal shooter. Didn't show it last year in his freshman season. I think he can uh, he can lift up that percentage and give and be able to uh, shoot better from outside. Uh, Robbie Carmody, 6'4", sophomore. Showed some promise, but a shoulder injury ended his season. So I think, I mean, there's um, I mentioned a bunch of injuries. I mentioned just a bunch of young guys getting early playing time last year. Notre Dame, I think everyone is expecting them to make a big jump, some a bigger jump than others. But I think they have a very, very good shot to make the NCAA tournament. I mean, a Mike Bray team was pretty much guaranteed an NCAA tournament team for so many years. Last year, it just kind of was odd. I think they're going to be back in this year. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you did see glimpses and you did see signs of, of these young guys that they were bringing in being able to produce at that level. They just, I mean, let's just be realistic. Last year, there was so much talent in the ACC. They were just overwhelmed. You know, a lot When Duke played them, Duke was just better than them at every single position. It wasn't even close. So they just kind of bullied them. But I do like Hub a lot. I do. Um, I do like the lefty point guards. He's he's a uh, he's smooth from there. And I mean Joe Mooney is, you know, doesn't do anything great. Does everything kind of good and can shoot it a little bit. He's a really good rebounder. So if these other pieces can step up and 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 stay healthy, essentially, I think that, I definitely think they could finish in the top half of the ACC opposed to in the cellar like they did last year. Yeah, I think uh, that was one of Duke's few games where they actually were able to uh, shoot from outside last year when they went to Notre Dame. All right, uh, moving on to Syracuse with Grumpy Jim Beheim. All right, after another season of long twos and uh, zone defense, they pretty much rode Tyus Battle all the way. Then right before the NCAA tournament, I mean, it was a shame. Was, was it because of ineligibility? I can't quite remember, but they lost Frank Howard. Was it? Do you remember if he was ruled ineligible, or was that an injury? Or no, he was he was ruled ineligible. I don't I don't remember exactly what it was for. I think he had an issue. I don't know if he got caught with something or he. There was an issue. It was it was because of something like that. It wasn't due to injury. Yeah, yeah. So that was disappointing. Then they lost uh, in Zone Fest 2019 to Baylor. So uh, they uh, had a short run in the NCAA tournament. Jalen Carey, I think I mentioned earlier, he came in to uh, Syracuse with uh, hopefully high expectations. I think Frank Howard was actually out early on with an injury for Syracuse, so Jalen Carey got early playing time, and the Syracuse zone just wasn't the same, and the offense wasn't running. I mean, the offense is always pretty stagnant at Syracuse, but the the defense was was rough, and Jalen Carey was turning it over, and it was just... He really struggled, so hopefully now with the year under his belt, he can show some of that promise everyone was hoping for early on. You got Buddy Beheim, uh, 6'6 sophomore, with uh, I think he's related to uh, another guy who might coach the team. He showed uh, obvious range, but I think uh, he has to prove he is able to 
kind of still contribute in other areas and make solid decisions on offense and not get burned on defense, which is pretty tough in zone. You got Elijah Hughes, who are who many are actually predicting to break out. Uh, they came out with uh, uh, Julius Irving preseason award watch list. Um, Matthew Hurt was actually named to that as well, and uh, yeah, he 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 was named. So uh, I, th- I think there are some heavy expectations on him. I think he scored like 25. Had a, he had a great game versus Baylor. He was known, especially against Duke. I think both games against Duke. Even when they played three times, I think at least two of them, he had one huge half and then just disappeared in another half. So it's yeah. about consistency with him. And hit a 200-footer in that one game, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, there were times when Syracuse couldn't make anything. There were times when they made everything. All right, then there's uh, Quincy Guerrier, six seven freshman. Don't know too much about him, to be honest. That The size makes it seem like it's one of those typical Syracuse wings. Borama Sidibe, 6'10", defensive specialist, really what was raw on offense, hadn't shown much, but uh, he showed a lot of potential on defense. Got uh, Marek Dolazaj, who, uh, as I mentioned with Lazuski, he was actually, along with uh, Temple Temple Gibbs, he was another one I was dead wrong on because before last season, I thought he had a legit chance to uh, break out. And I loved what he had shown at times his freshman season. And I, I thought they could have used him more, but at the same time, he just, he, he wasn't, aggressive he didn't show um, a lot of development in pretty much any area and I'm hoping I can see more because I think he is super talented I think the I mean he's just really skinny right now but I think the mentality he just he's got to be more aggressive because the talent's there uh, Robert Braswell six seven sophomore if he's gotten stronger he has the athletic potential to have an impact he's someone who's a potential breakout guy there's uh, other guys. There's uh, Bryson Gooding, 6'3", freshman, 91 RSCI. I don't really know much about him. John Bull, a jock, if that's how you pronounce it, 6'10", freshman. He is a guy that I guess will be backing up uh, Sidibe. So if you're looking for uh, somebody who can provide a little more depth in the front court. Then our, you, you have mentioned in terms of like Demarcus Nelson how – he set, like, the California State High School scoring record. Sometimes it can be really interesting. The same way, like, Semi Ojale, I think he set, like, the Kansas High School record in high school. I think he was averaging, like, 50 a game. So, I mean, you might know about this living here. Do you know uh, Joseph Gerard III? Oh, yeah. He yes, averaged I do. 50 a 50, game in high school. Yeah, he played at Glens Falls. Yeah, it was – so I coached – when I coached high school, we actually made it to the semifinals. We were one – went away from getting to Glens Falls. That's where he goes to school. So it's not it's not far at all from where I live. But, I mean, this guy's pulling up from 37 feet. <laughs> I mean, it's just comical watching him play. And I guess as good of a basketball player as he was as good of a quarterback, too. And I didn't know he, that, but... So I, maybe I mean, he's the new Paulus. Yeah. He's the new Paulus for you. Syracuse plays like, basketball. It does make me wonder about the uh, level of competition if somebody's averaging 50 a game and they're unranked in RSCI. <laughs> I He's mean, a three-star recruit. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> you knew he was good because Coach K started recruiting him. So you could tell he – they were recruiting him. Duke started recruiting Joe Gerard. And I'm like, I'm like, he's going to go to Syracuse. He's a Syracuse guy. And, I mean, if you're a three-star scoring 55 a game, I mean, 50-plus, that's unbelievable to me. Yeah, it reminds me of a guy who grew up near me. His name was uh, Tamir Goodman, and uh, people called him the Jewish Jordan, and uh, <laughs> didn't work out too well. Anyway, all right, so 
Miami with Jim Laranaga, it kind of, it was similar to uh, Notre Dame in a way where it was just crappy, crappy luck. Similar to when uh, Duke lost Ryan Kelly just before the 2012 NCAA tournament. Miami faced the same dilemma yet pretty much for the entire season. When the NCAA ruled out a guy who I was so high on, Dewan Hewell, and he changed his last name to actually Hernandez, he was ruled ineligible just before last season. And he, I mean, him and Likes were like the perfect one-two punch. So, I mean, that took away a ton. Miles Wilson, another guy they uh, hoped would offer big contr- contributions. He was dismissed from the team in December. Then uh, Den Gok, uh, one of the best uh, inside guys, he was a freshman. He was injured after eight games, so he was done. And it's just like, damn. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, all the pressure was on Chris Likes. And, wow, I love the dude. He can't do it all himself. Uh, so... At point guard, you're going to have him. Shooting guard, you have uh, Dejan Vasilovic. And Dejan Vasilovic... He's still there. (laughs) I I just don't understand. These guys are there for... Luke May was there for 15 years. I just don't understand. Yep, he's still there. (laughs) Good shooter, uh, though. Yeah, um, he's a good shooter. And I think the one thing... I remember using it as an example of, like, how... A reason why Coach K might not trust Alex O'Connell's defense... Dejan Vasilovic never dribbles, like ever. And then and then Alex O'Connell was in the game for Duke, and Dejan Vasilovic took one look at him and took him to the hole like three straight times, and O'Connell oh. was out. I'm like, all right, guys, this is why. The old so, Vasilovic blow-by, that's not good if you're on the court. That not day. good. All right, so uh, wing, uh, you got Cameron Magusti. He's a jump shooter, doesn't really create off the dribble from Oklahoma transfer. And then Keith Stone, I, I forgot about him from Florida. I love him because anyone who is of a certain age hopefully remembers the Hold My Stones commercials for uh, Keystone Light or Keystone Ice, and I love that. I mean, for just for that reason, Keith Stone is my guy. So he's a stretch four, strong enough to guard at uh, center, so I think that could help because they don't have too much uh, depth inside. I mean, they, they have Dan Gok, who's back, who I mentioned was injured last year. But, uh, yeah, so Keith Stone could help out there. They have uh, Sam Wardenburg, a uh, stretch four redshirt junior. And besides that, they actually have uh, two intriguing wing players as uh, freshmen because, I mean, a lot, the thing was last year, Likes was the only one who could really create. So now they have Harlan Beverly, really athletic, 6'4 freshman, and Isaiah Wong, who's a uh, more of a crafty type. But I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to say they'll make the tournament, but I think – I, I think Miami could surprise a little bit. I think now that roles are a little more set, I mean, they still have some questions, obviously, especially shooting, but there's more creative ability. It's not all on likes. The defense is the big X factor for them. So how do you feel about Miami? I do. I like Miami. I, 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 I'm a huge fan of likes. He's just so fun to watch. He's dynamic, and he's he just – has zero fear whatsoever of going in the paint and just getting tossed around. But he's, I do like, I, I, I do like stone. I remember stone in Florida and I do also like, um, you mentioned the, who's the other, Oh, the, the Magusti, the kid from Oklahoma, another good shooter. They're going to have some offense around him this year. They, they didn't shoot the ball very well last year. They, had some some shooters last year, but I think you know taking some of the pressure off of likes will will maybe help him be a little more efficient because he was a high volume scorer last year because he truly had no choice. So 
I do think that that they now that they don't, I don't I don't think they'll be an NCAA tournament team. I don't. I think they'll struggle to be an NIT team, but I do think that they can have a say in the ACC. I can see them being one of those teams that can can win some big some big games, maybe win a couple on their home court. Okay, moving on, we got uh, Pittsburgh. I think uh, Jared Wilson frame was huge for, for uh, Capel. He stayed at Pittsburgh when Capel took over, so that really helped last year, at least um, with uh, they had a lot of young guys, so Wilson frame kind of brought some consistency to that and some experience. He's gone, so now it is up to the young guys. And Capel, kind of the opposite of Duke right now, very PNR heavy offense, pick and roll heavy offense, surprisingly solid defense, zero shooting. They had zero outside shooting, especially, I mean, for, uh, Frame was really the only guy who could shoot at all last season. So now that he's gone, somebody's going to have to be able to shoot. And actually, a fun stat with with, uh, with uh, Pittsburgh last year, which they would definitely not consider fun, they led the country, or I guess you could say they were the worst in the country, and getting blocked. They, they got blocked the most times in the country, so that's something to be proud of. All right, so you got Xavier Johnson. Love him. Love him. I mean, if he develops any sort of outside shot, he could be someone who to look out for. I mean, I remember he made a quote about Zion last year where somebody asked him, like, are you afraid of going against Zion? He's like, every man bleeds. And I'm just like, this is that's the greatest quote ever. Uh, <laughs> so Xavier Johnson is afraid of nothing, and uh, sometimes he – he makes some uh, decisions which make you scratch your head, but, I mean, he was a freshman last year. There wasn't a lot of talent surrounding him, so that can kind of be expected. But him and Trey McGowan's in the backcourt, really young, exciting combo. They got uh, some. They got Justin, I think, Champagne. Uh, he's a 6'6 freshman, don't know too much about him. Adiasi Tony, he was uh, another one of the young guys last year. He showed some promise, so hopefully he can keep that up. And then there's Terrell Brown. He is the X factor for them. If they're going to take another step up in terms of moving up the ladder a little bit in the ACC, he needs to show he can be more physical because he's super talented. He actually showed a lot more to his game than he showed at other times versus Duke. I don't know if he was more motivated for that game versus Duke or what, but I think he is more talented than he showed a lot of last season. Just got to get that consistency. Besides that, they got Eric Hamilton, 6'9", grad transfer from UNCG. Got Gerald uh, Drumgool. He's an athletic wing. He could be someone who could uh, show some potential there. And then Ryan Murphy, Juco transfer, who can shoot. As I mentioned, shooting is the biggest concern, so that will be vital. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if they can shoot, I think they can take a step up. But I think Cable's already starting to show he can get some recruits. And, I mean, with that backcourt, that young backcourt, it could be fun. Yeah, I mean, you seem they. The good thing about them last year was that a lot, all these guys were young. They came in together, so they're they're going to grow together and build, build, on their chemistry and and gain experience. And you know, they actually put up put a good fight up last year when they played Syracuse, um, and then ended up playing them in the tournament as well. I think because that's where. Uh, I was at that tournament and I was watching the game on the ride up to Carolina and they were and that frame kid was on fire against Syracuse. So he's one of those guys that 
it's obviously going to hurt losing a guy like that, but he gave him a bit of a toughness. And but with Capel there, <clears throat> they're you know they're making the right moves. They're they're going in the right direction. They just they got to continue to build on talent. All right, Boston. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying there's there's just a clear gap between them and and the other teams in the ACC talent wise. That's all. Yep, just gotta close it one season at a time. All right, uh, Boston College with Jim Christian. Really unfortunate to lose Winston Tabs for this season because I mean he was proving to be a great scorer last year, and then he got injured out for the year and needed surgery again on the same knee that took him yeah, out for last year. Yeah, I didn't see that. Year. I didn't see yeah, that. So, I mean, he was going to be the guaranteed definite alpha, and now they lost him. So, it's uh, it's going to probably will be a rough season for Boston College. They got grad transfer Derek Thornton. Welcome back. Uh, he's had an interesting college career where um, I think he just lost a lot of confidence from what he was in high school and what his expectations were. So, now hopefully Jim Christian can kind of – design at least some of the offensive strategy around what works to his talents, a little more pick and roll. Uh, Jay Heath, he, I think he's the X factor for them. Athletic, great defender, really aggressive. Jairus Hamilton as a forward showed flashes of potential, but too often a non-factor. Um, then uh, all right, here, here's a fun thing. Stefan Mitchell, this dude averaged 3.7 field goal attempts a game and 5.5 free throw attempts a game. Like, that's legit insanity. That's a free throw rate of 148%. Like, <laughs> that's kind of crazy when you think about it. Like, I don't know. All right, but here's a spoiler. He shot. He made 56% of his free throws, and he shot 5.6% from deep. So moving on. Um, at center, Nick, Nick Popovich, 6'11". He was consistent all year, really stepped it up during that final eight-game stretch, even showed hints of some more range. Uh, then from this, so I think he's going to be the go-to guy, at least to start out probably throughout the season. They got Chris Heron Jr., who I'm rooting for, great story, or a, a inspiring story with his dad, how his dad has kind of, I mean, I would just recommend everyone watch the ESPN 30 for 30. Probably no, great, great, isn't, great isn't the correct word for that story, yeah. but I think everyone should watch. Um, all right, so Jared Hamilton, redshirt senior, 6'4", eh. Um, uh, Calvin Felder, 6'7", freshman, solid athlete, you could see minutes. And then uh, my bias here, Kamari Williams, 6'7", freshman, and the son of Walt Williams as a, uh, as a guy who roots for the Terps. I am also rooting for him, and he's destined to be a legend in my opinion. So that's uh, Boston College stuff. Anything on on BC? Like Real quick, like Buckmeyer and Paulus legend or an actual legend of college basketball itself? Buckmeyer is mythical. Okay, that's what I was just trying to see if Buckmeyer's he's on quite, a to that, plateau. quite to that level. Okay, gotcha. So, right. so real quick, are you are you expecting? I mean, I'm expecting the Derek Thornton redemption game against Duke. So, I just I know that I know that's coming. So, I uh, I just uh, I'm bracing myself for that struggle, but I don't I. I think Boston College is going to struggle immensely offensively. I do think that losing losing what they lost, I mean Kai Bowman last year is if nothing else was was fun to watch. And they just they just don't seem to have much depth and much size and and scoring. So I think it's gonna be a rough year for them, but but I do 
I do like seeing him back in the ACC. So. All right. The last four teams, I don't have as much to uh, say about them. Georgia Tech, I have a little more than the others, but we're starting to get go through faster. Georgia Tech, obviously ineligible for the NCAA tournament. Um, Passner, you got to wonder if he's starting to get on the hot seat. If not, definitely on the hot seat. I actually really like Alvarado, DeVoe, and Banks. Jose Alvarado at point guard. Michael mm-hmm. DeVoe as a shooting guard. Um, lefty shooting guard and Banks is a really good defensive center who you can actually play through at times on offense, but I, I don't know. I don't know if it was whether it was Passner's offense or just whether they were just inept at executing it, but it was just constant clanks, turnovers, and lack of second chances. I mean, their offense was brutal. Their defense was actually really good, but they yeah. just – I mean, they couldn't score. Bottom line, they could not score. Sorry. I remember when when they played when they played Duke at Cameron. Duke was struggling. Duke was losing at the half to them at Cameron last year, and they just because Duke could not get anything going offensively. Was that when defense. Alvarado got injured? I um, I think Alvarado was on actually on the court for that game, but um, I do know that they struggled immensely. Duke in the first half, they ended up winning by double digits, but it's just. If they had any ability to pull away offensively, I think George Tech might have actually went into Cameron and, and had a shot to win. Yeah, because their defense could keep him in games. I mean, I know there's one game versus Duke Alvarado. I mean, he was playing, then he got injured somewhere. I don't remember. Anyway, all right, uh, Wake Forest, talk about guys in the hot seat. I mean, Danny Manning, I just – I don't know how he – he has to win. Like, at some point, he has to win. And Brandon Childress, he – I think he's going to give you what he can – He's a bit limited, but I still think he's solid. Andrew and White, redshirt senior, not I don't know too much about him. I think the key for that, I mean, Shawnee Brown, he's talented. He's just got to become the go-to, and he's got to become the alpha. Whether he's actually capable of that, we'll see. But I think they need to do whatever they can to base the team around him because, I mean, he's the one guy. He's the one guy. I mean, they – Olivier Saar, seven foot junior inside. He has, he has some ability, but I mean they're just limited. He's everywhere. raw. He's raw. Yeah. Yeah. I mean Isaiah Mushis, if I'm pronouncing that right, six eight sophomore. They got Sharon Wright, six four sophomore. Tori Johnson, six three redshirt senior. I am not going to pretend I know much about them, but I would say I mean I love Childress, but the key is uh, Chandy Brown. If they're gonna go, if they're gonna have any sort of success at all. He's got to have that one of those like crazy years. Yeah, huge year. All right, then the uh, the last two teams, which I I mean, Wake Forest, I can say at least like there's some hope to not be the worst. I mean, Virginia Tech and Clemson, it's brutal. Um, Virginia Tech, I, I do like uh, Wabisa Bede. I mean, PJ Horn, good defensive player. Jalen Cohn, uh, impressive recruit, five eleven freshman, eighty recruit. Um, Isaiah Wilkins, another good defensive player, but uh, I mean, bottom line, there's no buzz, there's no loads of experience for Virginia Tech, and Mike Young coming from Wofford, there's no Fletcher McGee, there's no Cam Johnson like he had at Wofford, so it's going to be likely a rough season for Virginia Tech. Clemson, they have Amir Sims, and I don't mean to disrespect them, I don't honestly know who else. Yeah, I just I think both of those teams are going to be are going to struggle pretty bad. So luckily for them, it's not last year's ACC; it's this year's ACC, which is not as crazy talent-wise. I can't imagine Duke or 
North Carolina or Virginia playing Virginia Tech or Clemson this year. So I think that, you know, with the ACC being maybe slightly down in terms of top tier talent, but much more, I would say, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Parity inside of it. Um, I do think that those those two teams are gonna are gonna be fighting for the last seed. Uh, so in, it's it's interesting. Um, Brian Ives on Twitter uh, at a way too worthy. I think he covers uh, UNC or works for the ACC network or something. Um, but uh, he uh, tweeted out preseason picks to win ACC over the last decade by the media. 2011 Duke, 2012 UNC, 2013 NC State, 14 Duke, 15 Duke, 16 UNC, 17, 18, 19, and 20 Duke. So Duke has been picked seven times to win the ACC over the last decade, which is interesting because Virginia has been picked uh, zero times. Um, so the, the results in that period, regular season, starting 2011, second, 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 tied for third, second, tied for fifth, Tied for fifth, second, and third. In the ACC tournament, starting in 2011, one semifinal, quarterfinal, final, semifinal, quarterfinal, one semifinal, one. So, I mean, you never know. And obviously, the preseason predictions have nothing to do with the ACC tournament. I was just kind of re- reading over that just because it's interesting to me. But in terms of the uh, regular season results, you can see, I think, a lot of it is based on just they have so much talent. How could they not be? So, uh, or or maybe it's a safe sort of prediction. But either way, seven times Duke has been predicted. They haven't won. And that's not to say Duke is a failure. But I think that just gives a little context for why Duke might be picked every single year. Yeah, I, I, hope, I hope this year is different. I hope that they have a bit of a mixture of some upperclassmen and some freshmen and, and, and they connect better. But yeah, for whatever reason, over the last, whatever period of time, you mentioned the seven years, it just, they just drop a couple games that you shake your head at. And, and, and you just can't do that in the ACC. You have to win the games you're supposed to win. And that's how you win the ACC. So unfortunately they seem to pick it up come tournament time, but you know, during the regular season, they have to, you know, maybe be a little more, consistent all right so let me go back i said i was going to make my uh all acc team predictions after we went down so obviously you got to go with the the first three as i said it's impossible not to pick trey jones cole anthony and jordan noir i mean anything any discussion comes after those three are already locked in so i would probably say from there I mean, I, I would hate I would hate to just base it so much on success, but I mean, with a guy like Xavier Johnson, I think he could take a big step up. But Pittsburgh, it's just they're not going to be competitive. I mean, hopefully they are. Hopefully uh, they can kind of prove that wrong. But I don't know. So I w- I would have right now. I'd probably put John Mooney there, and I will actually agree with. Uh, Oh man, Markel Johnson or Trent Forrest? I will, I, I'll agree with Markel Johnson because I, I think that there's not as many stars. There's a lot of guys. I mean, like I said before, they'll come in waves at NC State, but I think Markel Johnson has more of a chance to just totally shine individually. 
unlike Trent Forrest, who, I mean, there's going to be a lot of guys who want to eat on that team. So I think uh, he might defer a little more just for the good of the team. Um, in terms of uh, player of the year, I think it, to me, it comes down to Cole Anthony or Jordan Nuara. I think it's pretty much what team finished. I think if Louisville wins the ACC, I think Nuara, I think if uh, UNC, I think otherwise it'll be Cole Anthony. Because I think Cole Anthony, is gonna, his stats are going to be better. And I think UNC is going to be great either way. I think if Louisville wins, Jordan Noir, if anybody else wins, I think it'll be Cole Anthony. And I guess that's an excuse for not absolutely making a definitive choice. So I will go I'll go Cole Anthony just because, bottom line, he's the best player. I think Noir is going to be kind of a better college player, but Cole Anthony, what he's going to do this year is just – He's a stud. Yeah, did he's did, did a you stud. give a, uh, a uh, your pick for uh, player of the year? No, I didn't. And so I, I pick, uh, if I was going to do the same you did with the first, the only two I would flip flop is I would flip flop, uh, Diakite. And then I would either put, I would put likes, or I think, I do think Vernon Carey could be a first team talent if he plays inside and out like we hope he can be. So, um, in terms of the HC player of the year, I think it's a three person race. I think. I think Trey can win the AC player of the year, depending on if he's able to improve offensively. But I do think, I do think either way that the AC player of the year is going to be Cole Anthony. You know what? I'm copying that. I'm switching back. I'm actually going to choose the exact same team as, uh, as the, uh, ACC media. I think, I think I, I do think Diakite deserves to be there. So yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm picking that, but I'm still. So is he your pick for defensive player of the year? Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough to. Uh, think well, Trey's great. Trey's great, but I I mean I think I think he affects the game in a little couple more different ways than than Trey can. Okay. Um. All right. Uh, coach of the year. I mean that that's always a tough one because often it's either who wins or who finishes kind of above where some have the expectations. I mean, this is a season where if Duke wins, I don't see how it's possible not to get If anyone who doesn't know, Coach K has not won ACC Coach of the Year since 2010. So, I mean, I guess you could say Duke hasn't won the ACC since 2010, talking regular season. I know Fair that enough. technically the ACC tournament, that's how the uh, it's determined, but... I mean, you can't disregard an entire regular season. So, uh, I mean, the last time Duke won the uh, regular season was 2010, and that is literally the last time Coach K has won. So, I mean, if Duke wins, I don't think there is any doubt. Do you think he could win even if they don't finish number one? I don't. I don't. Yeah, they're just too talented, and people are like, oh, he kind of he underachieved no matter what. And they're so they're, – they're not heavy favorites, but they're – I mean, they received 51 of the votes. So a lot of people are feeling that Duke should win. So if they don't, what what would be the reason why they would give him that award if he doesn't win? You know, like that's kind of the way I look at it. So I don't, I do not see him winning the ACC Coach of the Year without Duke winning the ACC pretty probably outright. All right. Um, I will say Coach of the Year's uh, mine would be Chris Mack. That that's who I would predict. I'm gonna go a little deeper. I think. I think I'm gonna say that Mike Bray is the ACC coach of the year. 
I think if they improve and get up maybe into the top six or seven ish in that area, I, th- I think he could he could get votes for it. You would give a guy coach of the year for top six? Okay. For just an improvement from last year, if they make the tournament, you know, I mean, if, if I don't think I don't think Chris Mack wins the ACC coach of the year without them winning the ACC, and I don't think they're going to win the ACC. So are you going to give it to Roy Williams for the fortieth time? Or Tony Bennett for the eighth year in a row. I mean, so that's your pick. I, I'm I'm gonna go with Bray. I think I I think he can win it. I think I would. I mean, I want to hedge my bet, but I'm feeling a little crazy tonight anyway. So let's go, Mike Bray. Lock it in. All right. I mean, it's a, like it, freshman of the year is just stupid. Like it's Cole Anthony. Period. <laughs> yeah. There's. there's... <laughs> he's gonna win ACC Player of the Year. So if he's not gonna get the freshman of the year. It's like when the when the Wait, players didn't that happen one time. Oh, where, I'm sure like, it has. Yeah, where somebody won like a freshman one player of the year, but didn't win freshman of the year. I think it did happen. Yeah, I remember somebody won the NFL MVP, but didn't win offensive player of the year. I'm like, <laughs> so you have like Tom Brady won MVP, but Peyton Manning was like the offensive MVP. I'm like, I don't, I don't get that. I'll tell you what, I will leave it up to you. Do you want to uh, give some basic? Thoughts on what we're hoping for from Duke. Do you want to start talking about Duke um, a little bit? Just kind of have a couple minute conversation, or do you want to leave that till after Countdown to Craziness? Because, I mean, we won't really be seeing much in Countdown to Craziness, so it's not like we're going to see something where it's like, oh, I wish I had said that before because right. it showed this and that I had that locked and loaded in my head and now it's ruined. Like, nobody's going to be playing any defense in Countdown right. to Craziness. Like, no, so, and, and they shouldn't be. Yeah, so if if uh, Cassius Stanley is going to do some like 360 dunk, I don't think that's going to change my mind about any way. I, whether If I think he's going to be a star or I think he's going to be a bust, and I think neither, um, I if, neither my mind is not going to be changed if he does like a 360 dunk at Countdown to Craziness. But it, do, you, do you want to just make a couple things? Like I'll say for me – I would like to not see Javin shoot a three because I've been hearing some stu- some murmurs about Javin trying to extend his range. Please, no. I'm not having no. that. No. I heard the same thing about Bolden last season. He, I think he took like two threes in Canada, and he took another in uh, an exhibition game. And I'm just like, no. <laughs> and, and he no. never took another. He never took one during the regular season, I don't think. But, I mean, like, the, yeah, I, I'm not feeling it with Javin. No, never in your life, Javin. Please, please do not shoot one of those. Like, um, I, I would say something which would make my head explode is if Trey Jones, if he hits like two threes at Countdown to Craziness, everyone's immediately going to think he's J.J. Redick, and that'll just be too much. It would be the same thing as like the opposite of uh, Bolden last year in Canada. Everyone was just talking about him as a bust because of what he looked like. I was literally the only one on an island all my own of saying like, stop. Like, he's shown what he can do in real games. Like, this is just a random thing in Canada. Like, he, I think he's going to have a great year, and he did. I was literally the only one saying that. So, I just hope, I don't, obviously I'm not rooting for Trey Jones not to make shots. It's a countdown to craziness. I just, I hope it's not something that, like, gets the expectation. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. Like, the you know, I've played I've played pickup basketball and I've played with like friends of mine that aren't shooters. And the worst thing they can do is hit a jump shot in the early of the game 
And then, yeah, it's like I remember seeing these highlights of like Dwight Howard hitting three yeah. pointers in practice. I'm like, great, congratulations yeah. to him. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, now he's yeah, I, I, I will say is it was really odd how little availability Matthew Hurts high school games had on. Usually, like there's some way you can find full games on YouTube because mm-hmm. I don't watch highlights like mixtapes. I mean, for those who do, whatever, but don't take anything legit away from them. I always want to see full games to see the context of everything go around, going on around them. And most of the guys, they had that. Uh, Wendell, Wendell Moore had that. Um, I mean, all of them did. Matthew Hurt had none, none of it. So there's tons of highlights with him just stroking threes and showing good post game. I would like, even if there's no defense, I just want to see what he looks like kind of take it, going off the dribble. To see if he has the ability to create off the dribble at all. That, I'm excited that, that to see him I'd play. Like say. I'm excited to see him play a lot. And I think he's, like we mentioned in the last pod, we, we talked about the prototypical stretch man. I think he's exactly that for us. So I think he's got a, the ability to play maybe some point forward if he has the handle and passing abilities that people say he does. But, to, yeah, I mean, like you said, I haven't I haven't seen it with my own eyes. So... I'm hoping to to see that soon. It'd be it's interesting. I would just like to see a little more Vernon Carey, just to see him, because I mean he was just He's so much bigger man. than everyone in high school. So I'd like to see. I mean, again, there's going to be no defense. Uh, I don't know, but I mean, supposedly he does like to uh, create. All, I mean, I did see him create a little bit um, from the outside and the perimeter. I mean, his defense is what I worry about more. So I guess offense, there really isn't too much that's going to be you're going to be able to take away from it. And defense, you're not going to play it. So I guess uh, we'll see about that. But I mean, an, an interesting thing, as I mentioned before, really quickly, there was the uh, preseason small forward list, um, a preseason watch list, and uh, Matthew Hurt was named to it. Matthew Hurt's a guy who. I wonder if he if he'd be able to guard threes. If he can guard threes, I think that would be amazing because that would actually allow a lineup which I would look forward to more because I think one of the Javin. I mean we'll talk about this much more. Yeah, I mean Duke the, the, like they I think Javin needs to be on the floor. I think I think he has to be on the floor, but he can't be if Matthew Hurt needs to play the four. It's going to be yeah. tough and I think Duke is going to struggle on defense that way. I agree. I agree. It will give us the ability to go big at the two-guard, but more, too. Yeah, so, it, I mean, it's going to be trying to figure things out, wh- how you can get good offense and good defense at the same time. Because if you go uh, offense with Hurt and uh, Carey, th- that's great. Defense, it could be a struggle, especially as freshmen. We know how freshmen, it's tough to learn that system right away. So, Javin, he, he's become more and more vocal every single year. And... Uh, I think he would help a lot on the defensive end. So the defense could improve. The offense maybe would take a step back if Javin's on there. Plus, you wonder how a freshman as highly recruited as someone like Vernon Carey or Matthew Hurt, whoever he would have to play over for that period of time, how they would take it. So, I mean, there's all kinds of questions like that. And, I mean, the biggest thing for Cassius Stanley is how good how, – how good is he and how willing is he? How willing is he to put an effort on defense? And that is something that's 150% you will not see at Countdown to Craziness because no one is going to be playing defense. So the Cassius Stanley thing, I mean, I think he's the biggest unknown on this team. 
I don't think anything is going to be answered about him. Nope, I don't think so either. I think you're right. Okay, so um, I, I think we uh, – is there anything else you want to say about Duke? Because obviously we're going to go a lot more into Duke. But I think this uh, – we covered all the ACC teams. Is there any awards or anything uh, that uh, we missed or something that needs to be talked about? No, I, I mean – I, I, no, I, mean, I think we covered everything pretty good. I think the ones that, that everybody cares about the most we've covered, but – We'll we'll know more moving forward, and when when rotations actually start to leak a little more, and we see who's actually, you know, because everything right now to this point is still projection. So, yeah, I will say, even though he technically is on scholarship now, my rankings of the best walk-ons in the ACC is number one Mike Buckmeyer, and everybody else who cares. So that's my official. Um, I think you're rankings of uh, walk-ons for the ACC. Nobody else matters. All right, so um, we covered the entire ACC, gave a couple thoughts about Duke before Countdown to Craziness. We will have a ton more about Duke. That was just kind of initial, very initial thoughts because we haven't seen anything. And uh, with these freshmen, there's a lot that we're kind of wondering about that we really won't see till exhibition, although I I do have... A little bit of analysis that I can give from what I went watched in high school, but there's also plenty that I can talk about with Trey, what I feel he can improve on with Javin and the other guys that played last year. Because from when you hang around from one year to the next, obviously that allows me to project. If it's just new guys, I'm kind of wondering along with everyone else. So that we'll have a lot more coming soon after Countdown to Craziness, but Countdown to Craziness, more than anything, it's just about having fun, having a good time, and hoping that Snoop Dogg isn't there at your, at your <laughs> Countdown to Craziness, kind of uh, causing a ruckus and making it a unfamily-friendly environment. Just kidding. Love you, Snoop. All right. For Joe Gaudio, I am Adam Comer. Thanks so much for listening to the Duke Basketball Corner Podcast. I will be talking to you soon.